Genesis chapter 21, right? Because if not, we're in trouble, because that's what I did. Um, I'm serious. It is 21, right? Okay, good. Did 20 last, last week? I, I asked Andy to do 20 and 21, but he didn't do it. So about 14 years earlier than where we're at here today in 21, Sarah, then Sarai, suggested to her husband, Abram, that the way God was, God was going to work out uh, what he had promised would probably be by human means and human efforts. Yeah. And so she offered Abraham her Egyptian maid, Hagar. Um, Abraham being a man, apparently did not argue. <laughs> told them to have a child through her and, and thought she would then raise the child as their own. And, and uh, you guys went through that, that, that section of Genesis already, so you know the mess that was that. Instead of on, on wanting to do uh, the Lord to do what he had promised, to, you know, to wait on the Lord to do what he had promised, according to his will, according to his timing and his way, they uh, took matters into their own hands, and uh, they ended up with an Ishmael. And uh, we get great lessons from that. We don't want to end up with an Ishmael. And I'm not talking by a, with a boy named Ishmael. You can, you can name your kid Ishmael if you want. That's your thing. But, uh, but the idea of, of what came from that, and this brought hurt and envy and jealousy and divided the home. Besides being out of God's will, which is the bigger deal uh, in all of this. And it's, and it's so easy for us, for you and I, for us guys, and us, just us believers in general, to find ourselves in the same situation. Um, we're taking matters and not, not having a child with our maidservant, but taking matters into our own hands. Hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation. But taking matters into our own hands um, to solve an issue and, and not allowing God to do it. Especially us guys, we fix stuff. You know, our wives come and talk to us about their day and they might just want us to listen, but we want to fix the problem. We're just like, so okay, we'll take care of it. They don't want us to take care of it. We just need to listen. And we, we do that. We fix things. It's just, it's in us. God made us that way. We take care of stuff. We take care of our family. We take care of our job. We take care of the home. We fix the things when they get broken. And so we, we tend to do that. But it's even in our natures in general, even uh, women too. We, we a lot of times find ourselves in a situation where we take matters into our own hands and do not wait for the Lord. And we know we need to wait on the Lord. We know he wants to direct us. But, you know, and we miss out on God's hand upon our lives his power demonstrated in our lives and through our lives. And you know, we hear of people talking about how God did this and how God did that. And you're like, yeah, I, I don't know about it. It never happened to me. And a lot of it is, is just doing things our way. And so then God can't work because we're working. And, and we miss out on, on the witness and, and in and through our lives that comes out of God having his will done in the lives of his people. Um. Waiting on the Lord is, is a really big deal. Uh, and for us, especially our kids, if you have teenage kids, is impossible. And, and, it, and it's hard because we live in a society that, that is used to just instant results. You know, everything gets taken care of right now. Uh, waiting upon things, and, 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 and especially in our country where we have the means to, to just take care of stuff. You know, we have the means to, the broke, let's just go take care of it. And, and, and. And so when issues and situations or, or things in general are not solved right away, we begin to question and wonder if maybe we should do something about it. If maybe, you know, maybe I need to do it. Maybe I need to take care of this. And the thing is that, you know, does God know what we're going through? Yes, he does. He knows what we're going through. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives. He knows exactly what's happening. Is he able to take care of it? Yep. Does God have... Our best interest in mind. Absolutely. In Genesis 18, 14, when God was dealing with Abraham and Sarah and telling them, hey, within a year, you can have a kid. And she laughed and this whole thing went back and forth. And God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? No. And so we should then seek the Lord. And when things don't seem possible, like having a kid at 90 and at 100, uh, 
we need to remember that God is bigger than the impossible, that he can do these things. Um, so after about a 13-year period of silence, after Ishmael was born, God appeared to Abraham and told him to walk before him, to be blameless, and proceeded to confirm the covenant back in Genesis 17. He also told Abraham that Sarah would, have, would bear a son by him in the following year. And that now brings us here to, to, um, to chapter 21. So 17 and 18, a year goes by, and we come to chapter 21. So in verse 1 of chapter 21 of Genesis, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. God always does what he promises. Always. Uh, our problem is that we want it our way. And in our time, and we probably not going to admit this, but we want it for our glory. That's, that's usually our problem. We, we, want, we want people to go, oh, wow, you did that. Man, you guys are good. You guys had a kid at 100 years old? <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit that. But Genesis 12.1 says, Now the Lord hath said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 25 years since that to, to this place here in 21. Since that promise and, and that called out of Ur of the Chaldeans to the, and here is 25 years. And in that promise, there is the, there is the principle that you know if he's going to make him a great nation, he needs to have kids. So even in there, 25 years, one year since, as I, as I just mentioned, since the last visit, when God promised that in a year, Sarah would have a son. In Genesis 18, 10, he says, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And that, of course, after those 13 years of silence. Now, when I, when I read through this, and, you know, I, at least I, I started thinking about it, and maybe you guys thought about it too, and, and, and it, we do that when things happen and then we go back, you know, you look back on stuff, it's like, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if we would have done this. And you wonder if Abraham and Sarah would have had a son earlier if they didn't get into the whole Hagar and Ishmael uh, mess. You know, if they would have just waited on the Lord, I don't know. I mean, here, this is what it is. This is what ended up being and this is how the Lord used it. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12, it says, Therefore, from one man... And in him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Romans 4.19 says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. I'm sorry, he did not consider his body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And, you know, you think, okay, if they would have not got into the whole mess, maybe this would have happened earlier. Maybe, maybe not. The thing is that by now, when God is doing this, there is no other explanation to them having a son but God. Yeah. God is the one who makes it possible, and God is the one who gets the glory. Um, anytime before that, it, it, would have, it would not have been the case. And, and I think a lot of time God has us wait until it is he, the one doing it, and not us through our wisdom and through our strength and, and until there is nothing left, you know, that we can put in there and, and offer. And we're done. There's just nothing else I can do. And, and a lot of times that's when we say, okay, we can't do anything else. What do we do now? <clears throat> well, let's, let's trust the Lord and see what happens. And salvation kind of works the same way, doesn't it? Uh, you know, Romans 5 a says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we have nothing to offer. Nothing. There, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing you and I can do. It's, it's God who does it. And it's a good thing. Otherwise, we'd be the ones getting the glory. And so in verse 2, it says, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Back in Genesis 18, God, God tells, tells Abraham three times, that it will be at the appointed time. It's going to be at the appointed time of life. It's going to be exactly when it needs to happen. 
When God says he's going to do something, all you and, I, you and I need to do is what? Trust and obey. That's it. I, it's simple. Somehow it's not easy for us, but it's simple. Trust and obey. Time, time is not an issue when, when we know that it's going to happen. The Lord's coming back. We know that. It's not an issue. I want the Lord to come back tonight, but he's coming back. And so it shouldn't be an issue when we know. Time shouldn't be an issue when, 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 when we know what God has promised that he's going to do. I, I think no, nobody's going to argue, with, argue that Jesus was late on his first coming. I, I, Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth, forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of son. When the fullness of time. I mean, maybe there are some people that would argue with God in his timing. There's, there's always, you know, there's always one or two. Um, people should, they did argue with Jesus. Martha argued that if Jesus had been there earlier, Lazarus would not have died. And to what Jesus responded in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall Never die. Do you believe this? He asked her. And so those things we see, just, I'm, I'm glad she kind of questioned his timing because we get stuff like that. Um, but people do that. Second uh, Peter 3.3. 3. It says, Knowing this first, and scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? He's questioning his timing. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and the waters by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. With fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person are you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So I'm glad the Lord didn't come back. You know, 20-some years ago, a lot of us would be in a lot of trouble, eternal trouble. Now, at the same time, we look forward to seeing the Lord, but his timing is perfect. And when he says he's going to do something, we know he's going to do it. All we have to do is trust and obey. And he has reminded them of this, and, and he did that back in 18, and it's exactly happening how he said he was going to. And it doesn't matter if it's a year or two or 15 or 20. The Lord takes care of it. It's how long are we, you know, willing to wait on the Lord for whatever it is that he says he's going to do. And, 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 you know, we seek the Lord and say, you know, God told me he's going to do this. And then when he doesn't do it in our time, we start going, well, maybe it wasn't the Lord. Verse 3 is, And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So Moses, in, I'm sorry, uh, Abraham, in obedience to the covenant that God made with him earlier, calls his son by the name that God had given him back in Genesis chapter 17. And in obedience, and in obedience fulfills the covenant that had been sealed with the rite of, of circumcision. And, and that's the same with Isaac. And, and God, God receives the glory in Abraham's obedience as he recognizes God's hand and his power on all of it. Uh, Romans 4.20 says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You know, God's, God's glorified in our obedience. And I, I think we know that, you know. Who, who do we want to see glorified in our lives? Yeah, that's, we know the answer. That's like, yeah, that's the right answer. Now, 
do our actions show the same? And that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Now, it does in Abraham's life. It didn't 14 years ago when his wife said, hey, how about my mate servant? Okay. Every day you and I get an opportunity to have God be glorified in our lives. Every day. Every, the moment, from the moment we wake up until the moment we go unconscious at night, we have an opportunity throughout the whole day to, to, to bring glory to God. He wants to do that in our lives. And all these things, all these lessons and, you know, what Abraham did 14 years ago and what's going on now and how he's dealing with situations, as we'll see in this chapter, uh, they're lessons for us. They're for our learning, Paul tells us. These things are here for our admonition. Um, and we do well to, to heed these warnings and these lessons. And so we don't have to go through them. And we see it's like, okay, you know what? Waiting on the Lord is a good thing. How long? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you're waiting on the one who knows better than anybody else. Verse, uh, verse 6, And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. You know who here will laugh with me? And this is a play on words here in verse 6, to the name of Isaac, which means laughter. And... Uh, And in verse 7, she said also, she also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age, 90 years old. And, and it's true. You know, people probably like 90 years old. I joke with my wife, you know, it's like, so you want to have another kid? She, and she laughs. Well, Sarah was 90. You're, you know, you're only, I'm not going to say her age. That's, yes. And, the, and I laugh too because I'm like, I'm tired. Oh. But it's true, you know, if, if, if we would have heard then, before we got saved, or, or even when we first got saved, what God was going to do, even in our lives, and where we are now, uh, we probably would have laughed. People would have laughed with us and at us. My wife used to say, you know, when the Lord's going to use you and you're going to be in ministry. And I, I used to laugh at her. Like, wow, we're a ministry. You know, we serve Jesus. We go to church. We do this. And says, of course, we're all ministry. <laughs> you know, you, you, you hang out with people. Everybody has a group of people they hang out with and they spend time with and they get to know you. And, and uh, a few months back, I was... At uh, on my daughter's, uh, she has two two days of school on Tuesday on Fridays. She's homeschooled, and one of those days I was hanging out with some other parents. I was talking to one of the mom that comes to church here, and we started talking. and And, uh, and I don't remember how the conversation came up, but she she asked me to share, you know, where I was when the Lord saved me and the things that were going on in my life. And so I, I shared it with her, and she looked she looked at me like, "No, not you." <laughs> And that's most of us, you know, before we came to the Lord. I mean, I tell the kids in, in the youth ministry, you know, those of you who grew up in the church, it's a blessing that you didn't have to go through. I got saved when I was 25, and I'm still dealing with some of the junk in my life that carries on from that, you know, especially now at, at, at 30. You know, my wife's 29, I'm 30. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, as I'm getting older, those things are creeping up. And this lady's like, no, you, you didn't do that stuff. Yeah, and that's the majority of us in the world. But it's amazing what the Lord does, you know. What they say, what he saves us from. And people, people are like, what? You, you, didn't, you did that? You wouldn't let your kids hang around me back then. We, we serve a God who transforms lives after he saves us. Huh? And, and he does a good job, as long as we don't get in the way. And, and he goes back to what I mentioned earlier, what God asked Abraham and Sarah a year earlier in Genesis 18, is, is anything too hard for the Lord? He transforms lives. He transforms our lives. He transforms the lives of our kids, wherever they're at. He wants to do that. Now, of course, they have to be willing to allow God, just like you and I have to be willing to allow God to, 
to work in our lives. We, we have to humble ourselves and surrender our lives to him. You know, we, we give our lives to the Lord and we call him our Lord and Savior. And it has to be just like that. You know, the Savior part, it's easy for us. The Lord part, where he is master of our lives, that's where we, we kick and scream and drag our heels all the time. But that's where he does all the work. We serve a, a God that does, does hard things, you know. He does impossible things, impossible from, for, from our end of it. It's not for him. Is anything too hard for God? No. And we tell our kids that, right? God is bigger than that. And then we walk and we're like stressed out. We don't sleep at night. It's like, what happened? There was a, uh, a few years back, actually when I first came on staff here, one of the youth kids uh, passed away on his sleep. And, uh, and all the moms were just freaking out. We didn't, you know, okay, passes away. Just, it's hard. And one of the moms was crying and her son, who was the same age of this kid who had just passed away, came to her and says, but he's in heaven, right? Well, yeah. He goes, then what's the big deal? Do you tell your kids all their life that, you know, when you die, you go to heaven. It's a great place. And that's where we want to be. And of course, you know, it, it's a hard thing, but, we do that. We tell our kids, but then we, we go around the corner and we're flipping out. And we don't sleep and we stress out. So we serve a God who does hard things, who, who does the impossible. Even when we or other people do stupid things, he still does great things. Uh, but even though God does the impossible, our disobedience brings with it consequences. And in those don't go away. And so, you know, he's, Abraham's still dealing with that. It says in verse 8, So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And then it says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. So Isaac was anywhere between the age of three or five years old. That's when kids were weaned. Sometimes, some people push it all the way to the age of eight. Um, it's a little old, but hey. Uh, so that will make Ishmael in his late teens, if it pushes it all the way to eight, even into his 20, early 20s. So he was, he was an adult. He was a, he was a, uh, he was a grown boy. The word scoffing is, it means to put on, it means to, uh, it's, a, it's put on because it's the same root word for the name of Isaac, which is laughter. And so it means to poke fun at, to mock, or to play with the meaning of his name. Some believe that maybe he was scoffing at the fact that Isaac was the heir and not him, and just um, and it, you know, think, okay, he's making fun of him. What's the big deal that later Sarah says, you know, you need to cast these people out. You, you got to run him out of town. If you go to Galatians chapter four. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives us a little bit more insight on what was going on here. Um, now, he, he uses this an allegory, and we'll get into that. But in Galatians 4.29, it says, But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. He's talking about Ishmael persecuting Ishmael who was born according to the flesh, because this was in God's will, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. That's Isaac, the son of promise. And now there are several ideas of what they mean by the word persecuted. It, it means exactly that. It's used in other parts of the New Testament as persecution. Um, and that's never a good thing. But um, there are several ideas that are brought up. And, and one is that Ishmael tried to cause Isaac to fall into idolatry. The word for scoffing or mocking that is used here in, in, in Genesis 21 is the same word that is used in Exodus 32.6 as the word play when, the, when, the, when the, uh, the Jews got up to play before the golden calf and, and fell into idolatry and, and all the junk that was there. We, I watched the Ten Commandments with my daughter last night. And that is a weird scene in that movie. 
The other idea is that Isaac attempted to corrupt Isaac because that word is also used in Exodus 39, 17 when Joseph is accused by Potiphar's wife of mocking her. He came to mock me. Now, the idea there is he wanted to, she, she's accusing him of him wanting to corrupt her. And so some believe that maybe that's what, that's another thing that Joseph, Joseph I mean that um, Ishmael was trying to do. And, and you know, when you, Think of that. That's just like the world, too. You know, that, that's like you and I were in the world. You know, you're always trying to corrupt someone to go along with what you're doing, so you just come along and do it with you. Us guys, when we dated girls in the world, we wanted to corrupt them. We didn't say that. We didn't go over to their house and tell their parents, I'm going to corrupt your daughter. <laughs> but that's what we wanted to do. That's how the world works. But the possibility is that he may... He, Maybe he had an issue with Isaac as the heir, as, as Sarah mentions that later. She goes, he's not going to be heir with my son. And that there would have been serious, consequ serious consequences for Isaac if he would actually accepted the inheritance. Um, it was serious enough that it wasn't just that this kid was making fun of, of Isaac and, and Sarah just had it. That's it. I'm done with this. Kick him out. Um, now, Paul, as I mentioned, uses that as an allegory to teach the two covenants, and from Galatians 4, 22 to 31. And then if you continue reading later, it, 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 it deals with the continual battle between the flesh and the spirit, and something that goes on in our lives from, from, from day one. Galatians 5, 17 is for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And, and in Galatians 4, he says, you know, that they, they persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. And that, that continues to this day. Um, and and you can't, can't reason with the flesh. Paul tells us we have to put it to death daily. That all man has to be, it has to be put to death daily. And daily we, we are to walk in the spirit. Those, those two happen at the same time. And verse 10 says, Therefore, she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. This is the time that Abraham needed to obey his wife. When, when she offered Hagar to him, he should have been displeased. You know, he, she says, nah, now that the heir was being threatened by the son of the bondwoman, Abraham, Abraham is reluctant. And in a way, it's understanding he's a guy and this is his other son. But God also reminds him of, of the covenant and the promise in Isaac and then make sure that Abraham understands that he will take care of Ishmael. Because he is of the seed of Abraham. He's not the seed of promise, but he is the seed of Abraham. And so he's going to take care of him. Uh, today, descendants of Ishmael are, you know, the Arab nations. And later, when you guys get to Genesis 25, they're, they're a number. They're all the princes that they're descendants of Ishmael. And, and now the struggle of the son of promise and of the son of the flesh continues to this day. And, and you know, we see the mess that the Middle East is with some of the Arab nations. And, you know, for you and I, you know, your flesh and, and my flesh and its desires to be in control never goes away. You're, 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 the old man in you, your flesh is ready to go 24-7. And unless we walk in the Spirit and trust and wait on the Lord and walk in obedience, we will be given into our flesh and end up with, with an Ishmael in our lives and the consequences of that for years to come. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and put it on her shoulder. He gave it uh, and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And, you know, you read this, and if you're not paying attention, you think, man, that poor little boy. I'm just 17 years old, okay? Um, but it's still not an easy thing for Abraham to do. This was his son. He's been with him for 17 years, 18, 20 years maybe. Hagar too. Um, and, you know, when you go through it, 
things were rough at the beginning, you know, when Hagar first got pregnant because Sarah was having an issue with that. When she, they, and Hagar ran away and God said, no, you go back and you submit yourself to your, to your, uh, your master's wife. But then you don't hear anything else until Isaac is born. And, and Abraham probably thought for a while that things were cool. And it's funny, it's like, you know, your flesh is not an issue until you get saved. You get saved and you try to walk with the Lord and uh, your flesh is an issue. It gets in the way all the time. Um, and, and, you know, Abraham probably thought, you know, things were cool for a while. 13 years, nothing. 14, here comes Isaac and now things get weird. The thing is, our, things are never cool between the flesh and the spirit. It's always going to be a problem. And, and that is the thing about consequences too. You know, they don't have to me immediate uh, all at, you know, all at the same time either. And, and for this period of time, Ishmael was growing. We don't, we don't read of any issues, and, but here it is. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will the spirit reap everlasting life. When, when you sow, you always reap depending on how much work you do to the ground and what it is that you're planning and where you live and, and how much water they let you use now. And just like, you know, every seed has a different time that it takes to germinate and then to produce fruit or whatever it is that you're trying to grow and the amount of fruit that it produces, uh, so it's with the result of your decisions on our daily walk to either sow to the flesh or to our spirit. You know, there is, there is that parallel there. Plant seed. Okay, that specific seed is going to take that amount of time to grow. And then it's going to produce this much. This seed, well, it takes a little bit less time, but it doesn't produce as much. And, and it's the same thing with what we sow. Sow to my flesh. Well, depending on where I'm sowing and how I'm doing that, when I reap from that, it might not, it might not happen right away. Years might go by. And you think you're okay. And pst, Everybody forgot. I'm off. I'm good. And then here it comes. And especially, you know, things that the stupid things that we did as young people. And then, you know, here we are at 30. Um, and, 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 you know, we start getting older and things catch up with us. And it doesn't only affect us, but also the people around us. And some, some more than others. And, and we see how all of that, it's, you know, it's, 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 it, coming to effect now Hagar and, and Ishmael says and the water and the skin was used up and she plays the boy under one of the uh, shrubs then she went and sat down across from him at a distance at about a bow shot for she said to herself let me not see the death of the boy so she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, and I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. And you notice that she's at the point that there's nothing else she can do either. You know, and God's meeting her there. So God was with the lad. And he grew and dwelled in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelled in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Paran is in the desert area of Arabia. Now again, God is the one who gets the glory. He is the one who's doing this. Uh, and, and it's a mess. Abraham can't go, well, it's, you know, everything's cool. Everything's cool. You know, things are sent. We got rid of, it's a mess. He had to, he had to send away his 17 year old, 18 year old son and, and his mother to their death. But he, he should be able to recognize and, and so Hagar and Ishmael that God is at work and he's able to work through our stupidity, you know? Through the messes that we make, God works and he's glorified. And even blessing those who are not the seed of promise 
And, and in that, he, he, there's a witness here for, for Hagar and Ishmael and, and demonstrating his love and mercy to them. God does that. I was thinking about these. These are the descendants of Ishmael. You know, if they go back in history to, to this, to chapter 21, they, they can't have an issue, you know, with the God of the Jews. But um, sin in the flesh is a complete different, you know, we will have a choice of which way we want to we go with our lives. It, there, is, there is such a huge amount of wisdom to be gained for, for, for us as believers you know, if we if we have our eyes fixed on the Lord, and 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 seeing Him work, and how merciful He is to merciful He is to us, and 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 how He works in and through our lives continually, and He's continually seeking to be glorified in and us, uh, and, and in the process of that, making us more and more into His image. And you keep your eyes on the Lord, and you look at your life from the day you got saved, even if it was a week ago. You know, there is there is a change in your life. And, and you walk with the Lord long enough and you, you, you seek the Lord and, and you're not perfect and you trip and fall and get up and walk with the Lord and and, and he picks you up. And, and But when you see God working in your life and the things that he's done through your obedience and your stupidity and, and all of that, the only thing that you can do is is be humbled by his love and his mercy toward us. I mean, there's not, you can't say, no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good Christian. I mean, you could, you could say whatever you want. I I'm, don't suggest it's a good idea. And, and, and hopefully we learn, we learn to take advantage of, of the knowledge and the wisdom that we have gained as we walk with God and seek to further glorify him as we are his, his witnesses. You know, all these things the Lord uses for his glory and, and, and he uses it in our lives to be a witness to the people around, especially the non-believer. And, and he goes into the next section here and we see that how, how Abraham deals right with the non-believer. Verse 22 says, and it came to pass at the time that Abimelech and uh, Pickle the commander of his army spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will. Now, Abimelech is a title, it's not a name. So some believe that this Abimelech is not the same one from chapter 20. But from what he's saying here, because Abimelech in chapter 20 does show him kindness and does, you know, it's like after he lied to him about his wife and, and Abimelech almost took her as his own and God stopped him and there's this whole mess going on that maybe that's what he's talking about here. It could be the same, the same person, it, it, but Abimelech is not a name. It, it's a title. But either way, these Philistines recognize that God is with Abraham. And it's a concern to them because of how God's blessing them. They'd recognize God's with you, now deal with us right. And, and Abraham has been a witness to his neighbor, and, and, and it was evident to them that God was the one at work in the life of Abraham and, and everything that he owned. Um, and so Abraham is wise to continue to be a good witness to his pagan neighbors uh, and does things God way, God, God's way in, here in, in the next section of this chapter. Verse 25 says, Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I have heard of it until today. Um, now, if you would have said that he didn't know it until he heard it on the news, um, then uh, we knew it was a lie, but he didn't say that, so maybe he wasn't lying. So Abraham took his sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? It, it, it blows them away. You know, that's a lot of money. To, to, to give these, he makes an offering of sheep and oxen and then he gives him these live ewe lambs for him to take and he explains that to him later. 
Abraham didn't didn't just bless Abimelech. He just messed him up. He uber blessed him. And verse 30 says, and he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Does it make sense? You do the work, you dig the well, it's yours. These guys take it from you and says, you know what? I want to pay you to keep my, my well, to show you that this is mine here. He, he gave Abimelech lambs for a well that he himself had dug. And that, that's a witness to Abimelech. Verse 31 says, therefore, he called the place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Pickle, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. I went, I got my hair cut today, and I was talking to this lady um, that cuts my hair. And she's saying, you know, We love God and, and, and we do all these things, but usually a lot of times when it's convenient to us. And then she proceeds to tell me the story. And she had a long day and she was tired and she works, she works a long time. And she's older and her husband came home and he wasn't feeling good. And he goes, I need to go to the doctor. I need to go to the hospital. And she goes, okay, do you want me to go with you? She goes, and as I said that in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I hope he says no because I want to go to bed. <laughs> This is the nicest lady you've ever met. I'm like, wow, that's harsh. And he said, no. She goes, so she goes, I stayed because I felt bad the whole time. She goes, and then he came back and everything was fine. But still, I, the next day I made, I get up and made him breakfast because I felt so bad that I just let him go back. She goes, I was tired. And and you know, here you have this guy going out of his way for for this Philistine. Now. He, at the same time, he, he does things right. Because he doesn't just let the Philistine king do whatever he wants, you know. He, he sets him right about the taking. Hey, you stole this from me. He doesn't let, you know, a Belmite staple over him. But, but he blesses his pagan neighbors. And, and I pray that the non-believers in our lives know us as people that would not compromise no, we're not going to compromise. We're not going to be pushed around, but also that we're we're that they're blessed by us. That we're a blessing to them. Now, now some people say, "Well, Abraham went into business. He didn't. He didn't go into business with him. Like, but but he became a witness and a blessing to him. And and, and he and he and he uses it as an opportunity. Now, you see the difference. If this is the same Abimelech of how he dealt with him back in chapter twenty. And how he's dealing with him now, and and the difference on his witness then and now, and and what the Lord has done in his life, and in this time period that has, that has happened, and the things that have gone on, and with 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 Ishmael, and now Isaac, and God fulfilling His promise, and Him seeing this coming coming to happen as as God had promised, regardless of their age and where they were at, and and the impossibility, and. You have to you have to wonder you know how much more can God work in our lives is if we humble ourselves and we submit and we obey the Lord and we and we wait on Him and how much we've missed in our disobedience. Verse thirty three says, "Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God." And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Now that, that name of the Lord there, the everlasting God, is the only place in the Bible that it shows up. When Abraham calls on the name of the Lord, he worships, he worships God there, and he calls him the everlasting God. And you know, when, when you're walking in obedience and your witness is right, God is worshipped right in your life. He worships, yes sir. The Hebrew name? I don't know. I can find it out. <laughs> no, it's not. It's um, here. Hold on a second. It's probably here in my Bible. 
I, I actually looked at it today, but I had, I did things in my youth, and my memory is not that good. Um, yeah, but I'll find out for you. I don't have. It's. Um, I looked at it today. I did. I clicked on it and looked at the Hebrew. What's that? Yeah. Who said that? No. Yeah, that's it. L L O I. Yeah. Now I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. But when your when your witness is right and you're walking in obedience and you're in the will of God, your your worship is is also right. You know, your worship, the Lord, as He should be worshipped. Uh, it affects your worship. You know, we uh, we can come to church, especially those of us who come to church a lot. We're here all the time. You know, we get used to just coming to church and and worshiping the Lord. But we need to make sure that we're we're walking in obedience. We're right with God, and we're we're surrendering to Him continually. Otherwise, our worship is not, you know, you can call the name of the Lord all you want. But uh, all of us are, at, at one time or another in our lives, are in a place where, where God is doing something or in the process of going to do something or, or he, we know he wants to do something and, and we have to come to a place where we wait on the Lord and let him do it or we just, grab a hold of it and go for it, you know, and uh, we, we're, all, we're all either there going into it, in it, or coming out of it, but God is always doing things in our lives, and, uh, and he's revealed things to us, and we know the promises, and it's up to us, you know, we can do what Abraham did with Hagar and Ishmael and the whole thing, or we can wait, we can do what Abraham did later as he learned and waited and allowed God to do it. And uh, even through the laughter of, the, of how ridiculous it sounded when it was told to them, nothing's too hard for the Lord. And it's a good reminder for us. We need this because when, when things go the way of the dodo bird, we, 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 we can either trust the Lord and know that he has our lives in his hands and he has the best interest for us. He knows exactly where we're going. He knows exactly how we're feeling. He knows how hard it is, even through temptation, all of that. It leaves us without excuse because we can't go, well, you know, you, you know, you haven't gone through. No, I haven't gone through what you're going through, but God knows. He was tempted in every way without sin. He, he, you haven't strived, you know, with sin unto blood. None of us have. He did. And and we, we we don't have any excuses. Now we make the excuses and, and we and we whine and complain. But we serve a God who, who does things that are not hard at all for him. And so we need to be reminded of that. And we you know, like I said, we tell our kids all the time, but it's for us too. So we you know, so that we can sleep at night and God's in control. No matter what's going on. And and, and you might be going through some really tough stuff tougher than any of us could probably ever go through. And, but at the same time, you don't know. You know, you look at people's lives and everything looks great at church. Because, you know, it's easy to be a Christian at church. We all have, and, and especially, you know, with social media. Everything has a perfect life on Instagram. <laughs> everything has an awesome life on Facebook, you know. I tell the kids, you guys don't put the ugly pictures of yourself. You, you take 50 pictures, you pick the ones the best, then you mess that picture up, and then you put it up. Yeah, well, I look good too. I'm going to start putting hair on my pictures. And then, and then you know, and you, you go on a walk with the dog, and it looks like you're in Hawaii. You're not. You're in, down, you're in downtown Azusa. But that's how we portray ourselves, right? That's the world that we live in. And so people go through things, and you're like, man, that's just, that's just what you see. Don't ever look at people's life and like, ah, ah, no, no, you don't want, you don't know what they're going through. You, you, God's dealing with them. God's working in life. That's the life that God has for them. And he's working in your life exactly how he needs to work in your life. And he's working in their lives exactly how he needs to work. Don't look to the right, to the left. You fix your eyes on him. 
and you trust him with your life because that's what you did when you gave your life to him. And then you need to, con need to continue that every single day. And if, if uh, Pepe down the street got a better life than yours and he's loving Jesus and you wonder, you don't know. You know, he might be beating his wife on the side. Or he, you know, you never, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll pray for him. Yeah, just keep him in prayer. He's having a lot of health issues. Um, and uh, But you never know. You know, God works and God allows things in our lives. And sometimes it's to bring us to a place where there's nothing else we can do. We're done. He goes, okay, now I can work. Now watch me do this. And, uh, and hopefully we don't, you know, dig our heels in so much that it takes 13, 20 years before, you know. That we, when God says, I'm going to do this, like, Psh, it's all yours, have it. And then he can work. But uh, let's, let's, uh, let's pray and let's, yeah, keep Pete, the usher, in prayer. He's going through a lot of health issues and the Lord touches him and heals him. And a lot of people that we know, they're going through stuff like that. And, and just the stuff that's going on in our homes and the things that are going on in our lives, you know. Father God, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we thank you that we serve a God that, that, that does not fail. We know you're coming back. As you said you would. And it's going to happen exactly as you've revealed it to us in your word. And, and every time your, your word is proven by what you do, we and, and the world have a, have a choice to... to believe or, or, or make excuses. Uh, Lord, we pray that we would uh, walk humbly before you, Lord, and, and the things that are going on in our lives, you deal with us. As we wait on you, as you trust you with, with our lives, with our homes, with our families, with our kids, with our jobs, with our looking for jobs, with our futures in general and all the different aspects and all the different lives that are here tonight. And pray that you be glorified through these things and that we would come out on the other end, changed by you and, and used for your glory. And Lord, we, we lift Pete up to you. We pray that you touch him, that you touch his body and you heal him, Lord. You, we know you're able. We pray you be willing. And that you give this doctor's wisdom as they take care of him. But we pray, Lord, that, that even tonight you touch him and you heal him. And next time he has a test, that there'll be nothing there, that everything will be straightened out. And Lord, for others who are going through health issues, we lift them up to you, that you do a work in their lives, that you touch and heal in your time, according to your, according to your will and your way. In our kids, Lord, they will walk with you, they will seek you, they will honor you, that we would uh, just look to you continually on their behalf, Lord. And uh, just uh, for, for all of us in general as men, Lord, help us to have eyes that are fixed on you and nothing else that we will not be distracted with this world that is here today and tomorrow is gone. But that we would worship the everlasting God and look unto everlasting things and not the, the temporary things of this world, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we ask things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Thank you.